me, and I'm kind of off to the side, and they turn to me and say, hey, Dad, what are you afraid of? And then our oldest son, he pipes up, and, and he says, Daddy's not scared of anything. <laughs> so I sit there with these three little faces peering up at me like I hung the moon. I kind of poke my chest out, and I was like, yeah, I'm not afraid of anything. No, that's not what I told him at all. I said, yeah, Daddy is afraid sometimes, you know, and, and that's okay. It's okay to be afraid sometimes. But I told them, you know, it's not okay to let things that we are afraid of or let our fears not allow us to do the things we need to do or the things that we want to do. And what I was trying to get across to him is that we, we shouldn't let our fears control us. Um, but, but I do have fears, and I want to share one of, you, one of my fears with you this morning. Um, and it's not a, really a rational fear. It is a fear that I have, though. And it's a fear of water, and not like taking a shower. I can take a shower. I wondered about that. I can. Yeah, good, good. Um, but when it comes to, and I can swim. I can actually swim, but I'm still afraid of water. Um, so like when you're swimming, you're like <laughs> running for your life, but no. it's everywhere. Right, right. It's horrible. It is. So, but it's really bad when it comes to, to my kids. So I, I'm, I'm the guy at the pool that has their kid in the floaties and the life jacket. And my wife's like, you know, they're going to the, the shallow end, right? And I'm like, you can't, you can't be too careful. You never know what's going to happen. Um, but, you know, then our kids are, are walking around looking like the Michelin man that can't even move. Um, and, and they're like, they must be homeschooled. <laughs> We do. That's not a knock on home. We do homeschool, so I can joke about so it. So they're accurate. Yeah, they are homeschooled. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> but, you know, the thing is, when we let fear control us, we are no longer rational. We don't think rational anymore. We think irrational. Um, and so when we let fear control us, we can even get to the point where we are paralyzed or crippled by that fear. And I, and I know I'm not alone this morning. I may be alone in my fear of water, but I know that I'm not alone in, you know, fearing in general or having a phobia because I looked this up in case you want to know, but there are over 500 documented fears or 500 documented phobias that affect people's everyday lives. And, and you may be familiar with some of the more common ones like claustrophobia, the, the fear of confined spaces. I feel like I'm really close to Harley right now. I'm kind of feeling a little claustrophobic. I make a lot of people uh, claustrophobic. <laughs> Or maybe arachnophobia, the fear of the little eight-legged devil insects we called spiders. Or maybe you have this fear and you, you have this phobia and you don't even know it. It's paranthiophobia. Um, that's the fear of your mother-in-law. And it's actual phobia. And I don't have that because I have an awesome mother-in-law that's listening right now. So I don't have that fear. Um, but most of us, you know, we, we don't like to fear we don't like to feel, feel scared. Um, so maybe we've spent years developing this strategy to control our fears, to su suppress it, or just avoid it altogether. But here is my question for you this morning. What are you afraid of? And don't answer out loud. Just think about what are you afraid of? Maybe for you it's the uh, fear of loss. Um, and because of this, you you can't really enjoy the relationships that you have because you're constantly in fear of losing them. Or maybe it's a, a fear of failure, and you have dreams, and you have aspirations, but um, you, you don't even take the first step towards them because you fear that you will not succeed. Or maybe it's this fear of rejection, and, and this fear of rejection 
limits your options because you fear losing others' approval. And you wish you didn't care, but the, matter, the fact of the matter is that you do. Or, or maybe that's not it. Maybe for you it is this fear of the unknown, and, and you are overwhelmed by this thought of, of not knowing what's going to happen next in, in life or what's going to happen next in a situation. And you plan and you plan, but when things don't go as planned like they do, this fear and this anxiety, you feel like you know, it's just driving you crazy. And you know, simply put, fear is just placing our faith in the unknown. And Harley, if we're going to quit, let's quit being controlled by fear. Yeah, so this morning, if we can maybe begin that process in the I Quit series. You see, what we fear is important because it reveals to us what we value the most. Um, But that's not always a bad thing. We're not saying that that's a bad thing. It's just revealing. It just kind of lets us know. So if, if we are afraid of pain then maybe, possibly, we might value comfort. If we're afraid of the loss of income, then maybe we value security. If we're afraid of the loss of health or mobility, then perhaps we value independence. We value this life that we're living. Maybe you are afraid of public speaking, and then that might say to you that that you value what other people see in you because maybe you're afraid of being embarrassed or or looking foolish. So it's just telling. It reveals something. But here's the part that that really makes me feel uncomfortable about fear. It also reveals this. What we fear reveals where we trust God the least. Our behavior, it gives us away every single time. Look at your fear now, maybe through a different lens, because there was something we're afraid of, and usually, as Donnie said, it's this unknown. We don't know what's going to happen. These fears we have, it's it's kind of this, it's, it's a fear of the unknown. So we began to think about things with this fear. We ask ourselves questions, is this going to bring me pain? Is this going to be uncomfortable? Is this going to cause me to struggle? Or is this going to cause me to to have some kind of challenge? Will it bring me sadness or grief? Or is this going to bring me loneliness? And these are all things that, that we don't want to deal with, right? But it is the unknown. We don't know if it's going to happen or not. And it says to me this. It says to me that I'm not trusting God. I'm not trusting God to get me through this circumstance or through this situation. Now, notice this, though. We are not saying that God is going to keep you from pain. We are not saying that God is going to keep you from bad things, that God is going to keep you from failure. We're not saying that because probably he's not. In my life so far, I've, I've had plenty of those things already. And, and it's pretty safe to say I've got more coming somewhere in my future. It's not saying that God's going to keep us from that, but it is this. It is trusting that God is going to take me through this. The pain and all, he's going to take me through it. 
So let's get personal for just a moment. This just for you, between you and God. You don't need to write it down, just in your mind. Think of this. I'm not trusting God with blank. What is it for you? Don't say it out loud. Just get it in your mind. What is it that you fear that has you tied up in knots when it comes to your mind? What ties you up in knots? What, what just really messes with you emotionally or with your thought life? It just grabs a hold of you. What is it? What fear is it for you? And will you have that clearly in your mind as we approach the rest of this teaching time? All right, so we're going to continue our, our, our walk through the book of Nehemiah. And we're going to be in Nehemiah chapter 6, but just trying to kind of to catch you up where we are today. Um, Nehemiah was a, the cup barrier for the king. He was the taste tester, if you will, for the king. Um, and he felt a burden to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the city walls around Jerusalem. And the walls had been torn down, and some of the, the Jewish people that were in exile were going back, and they were just very vulnerable there. So Nehemiah asked the king, hey, can I, can I go back and rebuild the walls? Can I take a leave of absence? And not only can I do that, but can I have some materials to do that? So just to catch you up, that's where we are in chapter 6 of Nehemiah. And some of the, the enemies of Jerusalem had heard that Nehemiah had been successful in rebuilding this wall. And they were doing really good. They were getting all the gaps filled in and everything. And all they really had left to do was to, to put the gates uh, back on the walls. And um, the enemy found out that, that what they were doing, and they sent a message to Nehemiah. And the, the message basically was this. Hey, we want to meet with you. We want to meet with you about 30 miles away from the city, away from the security of the city. Um, and Nehemiah, he, he was no dummy, though. He, he knew that this was a plot to harm him and maybe even kill him. So he... This was his reply in verse 3 of Nehemiah chapter 6. It'll be on the screen. He says, So I replied by sending this message to them. I'm engaged in a great work. Nehemiah said, What I'm doing here right now, I believe God has sent me here to do it. It is very important. And he says, I, I can't come. And then he asked this very important question. He said, Why should I stop working to come meet with you? But, see, they, they were persistent. They, they sent this message four times. Verse 4 tells us four times. They sent the same message, and each time, Nehemiah, he gave the same reply. But the fifth time, one of these, one of these guys, uh, Samballot, his servant, came with a letter. And the letter basically said this. It said, hey, Nehemiah, there's a rumor. There's a rumor among the surrounding nations that the reason that you and the Jews are rebuilding this wall is because y'all plan to rebel. You plan to rebel from the very king that, that let you come do this and gave you the resources to do it. And I tell you what, Nehemiah, if you don't meet with me, we're going to go tell the king what you're up to. Verse 8, Nehemiah, he gives his reply, what he says. He says, there's no truth in any part of your story. You're making the whole thing up. He says, they were trying to intimidate us, imagining that we... Imagining that they could discourage us and stop the work. But listen to what the, the, the constant hounding, the letters and the intimidation and the, you know, the fear, what it actually did. He said, so I continued the work with even greater determination. You know, the, the plots 
to, to stop the building of the wall, the plots to stop Nehemiah. They weren't over, though. Before long, this same guy, Sanballat, and another guy, they actually bought someone inside of the city of the wall. They bought him out um, to work against Nehemiah. And one day, Nehemiah goes to this guy, and the guy tells him, you know, God has sent me this prophecy, and tonight your enemy is coming, and he's going to kill you. So what you need to do is you need to go to the temple and lock the door behind you and hide. In verse 11, though, Nehemiah, he gives his reply. I love this. He says, but I replied, should someone in my position run from danger? He said, someone in a leadership position that I'm in that has asked so much from these people to rebuild this wall, should I run from what? This fear that this set before me. Should someone in my position enter into the temple to save his life? He says, no, I won't do it. Then he says, I realized that God had spoken, that God had not spoken to him, but that he had uttered this prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sambalat had hired him. They were hoping to intimidate me and make me sin. Then they would be able to accuse and discredit me. You know, if, if we as followers of Christ, if we are going to do what God left us here to do, and if you are sitting in this seat this morning, still breathing, I hope you are, then God has a purpose for your life, and he's not done with you. But if we're going to, to live up to the, the, the potential that God has for us, then we're going to have to acknowledge our fears and choose to trust God like we see Nehemiah doing here. If not, you know, our kids are going to run around looking like the Michelin man all in life jackets and floaties. And, and we are going to be limited by fear. We're going to be limited by our fears. And, and we won't take a risk because we fear and we won't experience the opportunities that God has for us. You know, just me on a personal note, when I felt like God's plan for my life involved ministry and God was calling me into ministry. It scared me to death. And so I did what any rational person would do and I made a list of why I should not get into ministry. And I had a pretty good list. I had some good things on there. Um, but here's the deal. When I, when I thought about that list, all the reasons I had were because of fear. For whatever reason, they were all related to fear. And so I just got to the point where I said, you know, God, not that I'm not afraid anymore, but I'm not going to let the fear make, fear make the decision for me. And I want to read a, a short passage of Scripture here out of Psalm 53. And it, it says, Psalm 53, starting verse 2, says, the psalmist says, I'm constantly hounded by those who slander me, and many are boldly attacking me. But when I'm afraid, I will put my trust in you. And I praise God for what he has promised. I trust in God, so why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? I think that's kind of the approach that Nehemiah had as well. That was his perspective. So Nehemiah takes this invitation for fear I mean, he was afraid for his life in that moment. Takes that, and he does what Nehemiah has done so well through this whole story. Listen, verse 14, he takes his fear straight to God. 
He says, remember, O God, all the evil things that Tobiah and Samballot have done. And remember Noadiah, the prophet, and all the prophets like her who have tried to intimidate me. He takes this fear and he brings God into it. And our bottom line this morning says this, put God between you and your fear. That's exactly what Nehemiah was doing. He didn't let the fear continue to stare him directly in the face. Instead, he stepped behind God, so he was face to face with God. His fear was still there. It was on the other side. But you know, in that scenario, it's got to get through God before it can get through you. To step behind your fear. I'm similar to Donnie in height and weight and... No, I'm not. But I am like Donnie in the fear he had about being in the ministry. For me, it wasn't so much starting in the ministry because I was a student minister for 17 years. My problem was what was coming next. Because in student ministry, after 17 years of being a student pastor, I, um, I was pretty much into a system and it was working, and I had developed a career in ministry, which means I had developed a a good pay, and I had developed benefits. You know, I had benefits, health insurance, and retirement, and things like that. And so God had kind of placed me in a very comfortable position, and, you know, that brought a lot of stability to me, and I liked that. I liked that. And so I was hesitant. What it, it, The next phase, that was 17 years of my career. And the next phase, he was saying, well, you know, now we're going to change game plan, and I want you to be a church planter, a missionary. Go out and start churches. Now, this brought to me a problem because I had a fear of not being able to pay my bills. And I had been in a very comfortable situation. And now God was saying, you know, we may or may not have your bills paid. And God said, I'm okay with that. (laughs) I was like, well, I'm a little worried about that. I'm a lot worried about that. Well, I've been church planting now for 10 years. So something had to happen for me to get past that fear because here I I was afraid. I knew God had provided and I was in the position I was in because God had paved a way and made a way. I just wasn't convinced that God would do that again. And to make things worse, I had developed this false belief. This, I, I, I believed. Now this was not something I taught, but this was something I thought. I believed that if I just stayed where I was, that everything would be okay. Because I was comfortable where I was, that if I just stayed there, my life would be undisturbed, and life would continue to happen, and I would continue just to be comfortable. And here's what that says about me. It says that I was... I was in a comfortable position and I was willing to fight to stay comfortable, not change anything. 
I was fighting to stay comfortable. And it says my fear was a lack of security. And it gets worse. So what was my security in? It wasn't God. I was feeling secure because of money. My security was in money. Now to get past that, I, I had to begin to step behind God. To place God in the middle between me and that fear. I had to place God in the money in the middle. <laughs> Not in, God don't want to be up in your money. I had to place God in the middle between me and this fear of not, you know, with him in the middle, with him right there. And instead of staring face to face with this fear of not being able to pay bills or the, the unknown of what was going to happen, I was inst instead I was face to face with God. Because God has to become, had to become my security. How is he my security? Well, it's because it's God who walks with me every single day. It's God, my, my security, who talks with me every day. It's God who looks at me and calls me silly me. He calls me his own. Now, God is not promising me comfort. He is not promising me health. He is not promising me wealth. He is not promising me a pain-free life. That's not what God stepping into the middle is doing. But he is promising me this, his presence. My fears, they reveal what I value the most. And I had to learn in that scenario and now in other scenarios in my life, learning to put God between me and my fear. So listen to Nehemiah, verse 15. So on October 2nd, I love that they know this date exactly. On October 2nd, the wall was finished. And he said, just 52 days after we had begun. That may not sound like a big deal. That's a huge deal. This giant wall around the entire city, gates installed with a handful of people. I've had a chain link fence I've been trying to build for like two years. <laughs> Seriously. So you understand. Yeah. <clears throat> this was an amazing thing. In 52 days. And then he says in verse 16, when our enemies and the surrounding nations heard about it, they were then frightened and humiliated. They realized this work had been done with the help of our God. When we are face to face with a fear, we've got to learn to put God in the middle so we can be face to face with him instead. Consistently putting God between us and our fear. And eventually, you know what happens? Eventually, he takes that fear away. The psalmist wrote it, Psalm 34, verse 4. I prayed to the Lord, and he answered me. He freed me from all my fears. So here's how this went with Nehemiah. 
in 52 days, that wall was built and it was done. And all through those 52 days, he continued to get threatening letters. He continued to have leaders within uh, within Israel's Jewish leaders. He continued to have some of them rebel and uh, and and try to stop the process as well. He he continued though Nehemiah to put God in the middle, right between him and whatever he was afraid of. And the result, these things that bring us fear, when we put God in the middle, they become a little more clear day by day if we just simply will step behind God and allow Him the room to work in our lives. And after a while, that threat, that fear, doesn't seem so large if we will simply put God between ourselves and our fear. So this week, we have a next step for you. Just one. Here it is, the letter A. It's easy to say this. It's going to be difficult to do it. Here's what it says. When I'm afraid this week, I will stop. That's going to be a key there. To stop, because when we're afraid, we experience it in our mind and our emotions, and it's easy to spiral out of control and to focus on that fear and to lose it. But we're saying, I'm going to stop when I catch myself being afraid. I'm going to stop. This happens right here in our mind. I'm going to stop, and then I'm going to step behind God, and I'm going to focus on Him instead of my fear. Listen to what Isaiah says. This would be a great verse to memorize. Isaiah 26.3. This would be a good verse just to think about. Write it down on a card and have it with you. It says, you will keep, speaking to God, you will keep in perfect peace. Isn't that what's absent when we're afraid? There is no peace when we're afraid. You, God, will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you. All whose thoughts are fixed on you. And that's what Nehemiah was doing. Instead of focusing on the fear, he put God in the middle and he fixed his thoughts on God. Now, that's what we're challenging you to do this week. If you'll do it with us, circle that letter A. But there's another thing here. Because I understand this, in order to put God in the middle between you and your fear, you have to, you must be connected to God. And some of you may be saying, I I am not sure that I'm connected to God. I don't know that I can have this conversation with God. I don't know that he views me as his friend. I I just don't know that I'm connected. Well, I want to help you solve that today. Three simple questions for you to help you determine if you are or if you will be connected with God. Here's the first one. Can you admit or will you admit that you've blown it? 
you've missed God's standard. See, God has this standard for us of living, and God gets to pick the standard because he's God. We've all, the Bible tells us, we have all missed his standard. Every one of us except Jesus who is God. But the rest of us, we've missed it. Can you admit that? Do you admit that you've missed God's standard? I've missed God's standard. Even if I were to be perfect from today forward for the rest of my life, it doesn't matter because I missed his standard yesterday, which means you miss it once, you've missed it. And I've missed it more than once, just to be honest. I've missed it a lot every day. Can you admit that to God, that you've missed his standard and you need him? You need his help. Here's the second question. Do you believe that Jesus really did die on the cross for you? You see, when the standard was missed, God knew it. someone had to pay the price for missing the standard in order to be connected with God because he's so holy, he can't have anything to do with sin, which is what we call missing God's standard. So a price had to be paid, and that's why Jesus came, to die on the cross for us. And he didn't stay dead. Three days later, he rose again. As he predicted, if he didn't raise again, then this is all for nothing. He did. Do you believe that? Can you admit that you've missed God's standard? Will you? And, and do you believe that Jesus really did die on the cross for you? And that three days later, he rose again. Now, here's, the, here's where everything changes. Because when Jesus died on the cross, he was paying a price, and the price was his life. He was paying a price for you so that you could potentially connect with God. And if we are willing to accept that purchase, then that means we have to give him this life and say, God, it is yours. So here's the last question. Will you confess to God that he can have your life? Because he purchased it on the cross and proved that he was worth it when he rose three days later. So my simple three questions. Will you admit to God that you need him? You've missed his standard and you need his help. Do you believe that Jesus really died for you and three days later he rose again? And the last question, will you confess to him in your heart and mind right now? Will you confess to him, Jesus you purchased my life when you died on the cross. And I give it to you. Now let me give you a picture. If you are doing that right now, if you're saying that in your heart and in your mind, he's listening. And here's a picture of what's happening. Your life and mine too, when I, before, I, before I gave myself to Christ, I was spiritually in the hands of the evil one. And, he, and I'll be honest, he wanted to drag my soul to hell. I was spiritually in his hands and in his control. I thought I was controlling me. The real thing, I was being controlled by him. 
the moment that I gave him my life, that I admitted to him that I needed him, that I had fallen short of his standard, that I believed that he died on the cross and rose again three days later. He did that for me. He did it for you. And the moment I confessed and said, God, you can have this life, then Jesus took my life and he held me. And here's the cool thing. He will never let me go. And he knows right now, this moment, he is holding my life and he knows that I am still going to miss God's standard and make mistakes and blow it and do the wrong thing, think the wrong thing, say the wrong thing. The Bible calls that all sin. He knows I'm still going to do it, but guess what? He's not letting go because he already paid the price for all of that mess and that junk. And he's not going to let me go. And this morning, if you just did that very thing, if you admitted to him that you need him, that you've missed his standard, if you believe that he really died on the cross for you and three days later rose again, and if you'll confess to him, God, you can have this life. It is yours. I've been following me, but now I'm going to follow you then that means he has taken hold of your life and he will not let it go. This morning, if you did that as I was saying it, or if you are doing it right now, admitting that you need him, believing he died on the cross for you, and three days later he rose again, and confessing to him, God, you can have this life because you purchased it, and I'm going to follow you. Then that means he's got you and he won't let go. If you did that this morning on the back of your connection card, there's a place for you to mark. It's under the letters, the A, B, C, D, and the E. It says, for the first time, I am really choosing to become a Christ follower. I'm giving my life to Jesus because he died as a sacrifice for my sins so I can be his forever. And if that's what you just did, will you mark that on your connection card? And here's, what, here's why that's important. Because number one, I want to know so I can pray for you. Number two, I want to make sure that you pick up from Guest Connections. There's a note under that of what you need to pick up at Guest Connections. Miss Beth and Mr. Rick are going to be there, and they will let you. If, you t if you're not sure what it is, just let them know, hey, I need that thing that Harley was talking about. It's, it's there. And it says across it, it says next steps, and then here's the one you need because they all look similar, the one that says first steps. That's the one you need. I want to make sure you get that today. If you're not sure where it is, let me know, and I'll, help, I'll go get it for you. Let us know on the connection card. Can you imagine? Because if you were connected to God, then that means you can place God between you and your fear. You can step behind God, and instead of focusing on your fear, you can have a personal relationship face-to-face -face with God in that moment. And you do that long enough, and that fear is going to get smaller and smaller and smaller, and he's going to take it away. Even in the storm, he will be able to give you peace. Will you join me in a prayer? Let's pray. God, our Father.
your word tells us that you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. And God, at this moment, many of us are trusting in you with all of these things in our lives that are unknown. God, fear and anxiety, we choose not to let rule us because you rule us. You are still on your throne, reigning over everything. God, we can take comfort in your control over all the affairs of our lives. You have not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, a spirit of power and love and self-discipline. God, many of us are trusting you to use that power of love and self-discipline, choosing to trust you right now, even though we feel out of control over what's happening around us. God, you are still in control and you are on your throne and your spirit is greater within us than any power that's around us. God, we refuse to dwell on the what ifs right now. We want to dwell on you and your word this very moment. Thank you, Jesus, for your power. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your self-discipline that your spirit gives us. And it is in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen.